0: Welcome to Tits Up! When things go tits up, they're broken. Tits up can also mean brave up and get on with it. This is what we do as mothers. When things are broken, we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the muck. This episode of Tits Up is sponsored by Booby Foods, all natural and organic foods to nourish you as you breastfeed your baby.
1: I was already helping families with breastfeeding issues as an osteopath. Um, but um, oh, we just had so many issues with my first like, Oh I didn't find out until I went to labour that she was breached. So um, I had planned to go like just through the birth centre and have no intervention. And, um, it's funny how you can have all the plans in the world, but um, you know, you can't always control the outcome. So yeah, so that was a bit... Um, Devastating. Yeah, and I think just because the birth was out of my control, um, being able to breastfeed was my way of like reclaiming that, is helping babies with tummy time. So if we can get them working well on their tummy, that helps build their neck strength, jaw, tongue strength, that helps build their postural stability. So it can be something
0: like a stiff neck or a favoured side or a discomfort on one side. Hello and welcome to Tips Up, our guest today is Emily Jones and we're discussing how and why an osteopath can help with infant and child development and feeding issues because that's what Emily specialises in. Emily's an advanced paediatric osteopath and international board certified lactation consultant, that's an IBCLC for those of you who know those, those letters but don't know what they actually mean and that is the gold standard for um, lactation professionals. She's based in Eltham, Victoria, that's in Australia. And she has 15 years clinical experience working with young families with a focus on complex feeding issues and infant and child development. Emily's also an educator, a business owner and mum of two girls. Welcome Emily. Hi, Pinky. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's so good to have you. And so many parents have, you know, I find what you do is so helpful. That bodywork of osteopathy is so helpful for babies that may have issues or even babies that may not have any issues that are noticeable. Um, so it's really good that you can come on and explain. But first of all, what inspired you to become an osteopath and then later a
1: lactation consultant? Okay, so um, I was looking at all, like anything medical when I was at high school. Um, I didn't quite have the grades to get into medicine um, and I stumbled across a couple of different disciplines, um, but osteo won me over because I had had a chronic injury that no one could help me with until I saw an osteopath um and once once they helped me within a couple of sessions like that was it i knew that that was the path for me so, so yeah. yeah definitely i just like Gross. i just loved that like they just put their hands on me and did some things and um i had a chronic ankle sprain from netball and um you know, just a little bit of hands on work, and I could walk again without pain and stand for long periods. And it was just mind blowing. So I just liked that it was low intervention. And um, it really, um, I suppose, that um, as osteopaths, like we really um, try to work out what's going on and what's at the root of problems and um, really try to get to that cause to help the patient get better. So that just really um, drew me in. And then so I got into osteo, did my degree, which was five years. It's a, it was a three-year bachelor and then a two-year master's. And I didn't really think much about what I wanted to do. I was just a student and enjoying life life as a student and studying. And uh, then when I graduated, a job came up at a clinic uh, where they saw lots of young families and lots of babies so I got a job there, got some mentoring, and it's just snowballed from there. Like this, the more I did, the more I loved it. And then um, after having children of my own, um, so my eldest is turning nine soon. and um, So after having her, I just like, that was it. Like I just was pretty much just focused on paediatrics and some helping mums too in pregnancy and postnatal. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's how I got to where I am. And was there a tits-up moment
0: that got you to do the lactation consultant qualification as well or?
1: <laughs> Definitely. So I, before I, so it's all around the birth of my first child. So um, I was already helping families with breastfeeding issues as an osteopath, um, but um, oh, we just had so many issues with my first, I like, oh. So, like, I had a really good pregnancy and um, I was, you know, really healthy and we had, um, you know, no issues. And then um, I didn't find out until I went to labor that she was breech. So um, I had planned to go, like, just through the birth center and have no intervention. um, It's funny how you can have all the plans in the world but um you know you can't always control the outcome so yeah so that was a bit um devastating for me um when I found out that we would have to have a caesar um and it all went well but it was just like a really hard start so like the medication that I was having was like impacting me and like I just couldn't get out of bed and I was really like out of it from all the um, painkillers and um, yeah, it was just, it just wasn't kind of like the start that we thought. Um, So had a lot of um, feeding issues there and by some miracle, someone gave me the number for a lactation consultant who just turned everything around for us. Um, And so from that moment, like that was it and that led me down that lactation path um and then i was studying and i just qualified before i had my second child and then we had breastfeeding issues again and um from there that's when i just uh, after coming back to work from having my second i just really focused in on lactation like i just knew it was such an area that mums needed help and i just get so much um, reward from helping those mums so yeah well, it's so disappointing
0: and so upsetting and it can just be such a downward spiral emotionally for that mum when breastfeeding isn't working too
1: yeah and I think just because the birth was out of my control um, being able to breastfeed was my way of like reclaiming that so it kind of became like yeah I suppose a way, a way of me like mothering my
0: child yeah well I mean it probably is for most mothers but again if you if you've had a plan and your plan's gone pear-shaped and then you're wondering about your body and then your body's not working when you're trying to breastfeed and it must you know it just is, is this downward spiral of grief for so many people
1: yeah you yeah, don't get definitely. the right help
0: and, and the fact that you can do this so you work with pregnant women as well and then babies and then toddlers and then preschoolers or maybe not all of those the same child but you know you do 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 that can you explain for the listeners about what being a pediatric osteopath involves and how your work supports development in babies and toddlers
1: yeah so um so I've got the title of a pediatric osteopath which um is a fairly new title in Australia so I think there's there'd be no more than 20 of us currently with that title. Um, And to to get that title, you have to um, have done uh, quite a lot of study, um, have a lot of experience, and you have to go through like a rigorous um, assessment process. But basically what the difference is with a paediatric osteopath versus just a standard osteopath is um, knowledge and experience in... um, child development and knowing, having like a really sound understanding of what normal developmental milestones to look for, what you should be expecting. So that if there is something um, that is outside that normal range, that you can pick that up, um, refer them off if they're needed or um, get someone else involved, other practitioners as a team approach. really having that clinical reasoning um is i suppose what differentiates that um so a lot of what i do in regards to development is if we start just from newborn is helping babies with uh tummy time so if we can get them working well on their tummy, that helps build their neck strength, jaw, tongue strength, It helps build their postural stability. And it's the foundation for all the other milestones to follow on from there. So if a baby comes in and they have a tight neck or um, they're on their tummy and their legs are like bunched right up under their stomach and they can't lengthen out and push up on their arms, by us uh, loosening um, the body and giving the parents some advice, we can get them, um, we can get them progressing forward and starting to work and strengthen and and so on. Um, So I'd work through all milestones um, with rolling, crawling, walking. Um, We see a lot of toddlers for issues with walking. So they've got like a leg turned in one way or they're tripping over a foot or, if they have like pigeon um, pigeon toes or anything like that. So walking development's a really big one in those toddlers to preschool age. Uh, there's a huge amount of growth that happens through the lower limbs and hips in, in that age bracket. So that's quite a common one too. Right, so can parents, you know, I'm just thinking,
0: would they come and see you? What would a parent be looking for if they think I need to see an osteopath? Is it just about treating things that might be worrying them, or is it a good idea for parents to come and get their newborn assessed or checked, you know, as just as a routine kind of checkup?
1: Yeah, so um, we do both. So we definitely will do a routine checkup. I usually would recommend if if there's no concern, but it's just a check, then i usually wait till maybe around the six week mark, um, as then we have a bit more. Um, information to go on, Um, but otherwise if there's any issues, I recommend coming in straight away. So uh, a common one would be an unsettled baby. We see quite a lot of that, um, or babies that are having um, trouble with like wind or um, reflux. Um, We see a lot of babies that have a head preference or um, a flat head, which is called plagiocephaly. So generally that will kind of develop over the first um, month or two of my life. So parents will notice that at birthday, the head check was okay, but it's starting to get flatter and flatter. So they'll come in for some help. And also breastfeeding issues is obviously a big one that I see, but um, if mums have any concerns with the baby's ability to open their um, mouth, um, were their tongue range emotional strength or if they can't get them into the right position for feeding and they've had some lactation help and um your standard advice around positioning and attachment hasn't helped then the next step's an osteopath so it can be something like a stiff neck or a favored
0: side or a discomfort on one side that might be impacting these babies
1: yeah definitely so uh if you think about like having a drink from a glass of water, if you imagine that you were off to the side or your head was bent or you couldn't open one side of your mouth very easily, it'd be really, really hard to drink the water and swallow it and coordinate all of that. Um, so it's, it's the same for, it's exactly the same for babies. They need to be stable and in, in a good position to be able to feed. So, um, Particularly if their neck is tight as well, so um, we want a baby to so uh, to get a deep latch. A baby needs to be able to have a little bit of extension, which is where they bend back um, with their neck to bring the chin and the tongue forward to the breast. So even if their neck stiff, it's something as simple as that, it can impact the depth of their latch. It can bring them into with their head forward, which can close up the mouth, close up. Um, Retract the tongue and cause that shallow attachment. So it's not as simple as that, though, because the whole thing about osteopathy is that we're holistic. So we're looking at the whole baby, their ho- the whole body, but also all their other factors going on in their lives. So even though I'm saying it could be a tight neck or a tight joint, it's never that simple. It's really looking at how their whole body is functioning and looking at everything else that's going on in the day that could be impacting too. So it's usually not just as simple as one thing. If if there's tightness in the body in one spot, you'll usually find it somewhere else as well.
0: Right, and can this come from birth or position at birth or other things that are happening around it? Like which other things might be impacting these
1: babies? Yeah, so definitely um, birth strain is, can impact these these issues. So um, what we find is if it is a quite a long labor or even quite a quick fast labor, uh, if there's any instrumentation like forceps or a vacuum uh, that can have quite a big impact around the skull and the face, which can then impact the feeding mechanics. Um, We also find that in utero positioning can be as well. So like with my first who was breech, um because she was upside well upside down right other way up sitting up um, instead of down. <laughs> sitting up instead of sitting down <laughs> exactly so you know instead of her head being nestled nice and lovely in my pelvis it was squished under my ribcage so you can imagine that that's going to impact the symmetry like through the head and through the jaw and face um if there's multiples as well um, they can be squished in a funny position uh, so or if there's um, high amniotic fluid low amniotic fluid any other issues going on in pregnancy so it can be a combination of all of that um, so we generally find that that tends to be more of a factor rather than um say just the parents always ask "Oh, is it because i hold my baby in this position has that caused the tightness? And usually I would not say that's the case. It's it's more prolonged and um, complicated than that. But we do see um, issues with babies who have spent a lot of time in containers. So if they haven't had a lot of opportunity for play on the floor, and um, spent a lot of time in baby capsules or baby swings where they're squished up, um, you can see that that is, is in, can impact like the head shape and the neck and their ability to elongate through the body and just also just not having as much opportunity for movement. And um, so that um, after, after the birth, that's probably the next step that I'd find would be impacting. Oh, particularly these babies
0: a few months old. And, and, you know, it really concerns me seeing so many infant containers are being promoted to parents from, you know, actually I had someone in um, a baby shop, I was doing a talking once and they said they're most, stolen um thing was a bumbo seat people would steal them and i'm thinking why would anyone want a bumbo seat anyway <laughs> but i can appreciate how hard it is for mums to get things done and you know maybe maybe parents you know they're all advertised to them they think oh we'll pop our baby in this container or swing or bouncer or a walker or whatever And I've also had parents tell me I'll sit my baby in a bouncer, a walk or a swing in front of TV, and he's such a good baby. He'll sit there for an hour. And I I mean, the good baby conversation is a whole other issue. But I just go, that's not good for your baby. So, um, you know, uh, these containers, like you're saying, they can impact development, but is it okay to use any of them at any
1: time or what should parents be looking for and what should they avoid? So the simple answer is in in moderation. So um, define moderation. Two factors. <laughs> define moderation. So um, I would recommend if a baby has lots of access to lots of different positions movement floor time etc using baby equipment for short periods throughout the day is okay because it's a small portion of everything else. So Usually, we would say 15 minutes a day in equipment that is really quite restrictive. So, if um, that's so, mum can have a shower, go to the bathroom, cook dinner, another child is having a meltdown and needs some help, or mum just needs a minute without a baby in her arms, that's all okay. And then it's scaffolded with all that other rich opportunity for play. Other factor though is as well is safety so as long as it's safe as long as a baby's you know safe in there and they're supervised and it's in moderation then that's okay right is that are there any
0: ones any sort of containers that should be avoided that may put a baby in a bad
1: posture it's probably easier to say the ones that I like okay all right the ones you like yeah I I mean I don't want to make people feel upset about what they're doing (laughs) I've just
0: thought you know but knowledge is power and you know, if you've got a particular seat, that baby putting their, say, their hips in a bad position yes, or yes. putting too much so, stress on their body, you know, it's nice to know, let's let's ditch that one. Or which ones are okay? We'll go there.
1: I'll answer both. So I think the ones that are okay are, you know, just like a standard baby bouncer um, is okay. In That's fine. Um, any... Anything that's functional is okay. So a high chair at an age that a baby is starting to sit up and get ready for solids, great. Um, or any equipment that they can do the activity themselves with, but it's not really in that ba- in that newborn phase. This is kind of later on. So like yeah. you know, a bike that they can sit on and move their legs, or um, a little walker that they stand behind, not in, and they can push. So. Things like that are fine, because it's a functional activity um, where they're having to hold up their own body weight to do it. The ones that I don't like, are ones that fix them in position. So like, as you say, with the bumbo, you see the hips are fixed in a certain position and it causes like a curve through the back. And it's basically the opposite position and the opposite muscles that they'd be using if they were sitting independently. And it would, we could postulate, it would kind of switch off the core muscles a little bit as well um, in that position. So, so I wouldn't like the bumbo being used for um, large times. You can get kind of like little high chair type chairs that just sit on the floor. Like a, um, So something like that would be better than using a bumbo if that's the case. Um, I really dislike the baby activity walkers, the ones where they sit in and they kind of can bounce a little bit. Um, just because babies tend to go onto their toes and we don't want to be promoting like that toe standing and we don't want to be promoting toe walking. Um, And they're just so um, limited. But babies love these things because they can stand up and see everything and interact with the environment. But I tend to find if they're spending lots of time in these activities, then. they're not going to want to work on those like foundational um, skills on the floor. Like if I can stand in this thing and see around and do everything, maybe there's (laughs) a lot Exactly. With my face down and I can't see anything. And um, so again, in moderation, but if they're stuck and they're fixed, um, generally not good and probably a jolly jumper is another one. That I don't like. And that's just because only um, are they being held in that upright position. They're also jumping. So you, you think of the forces being multiplied with that jumping motion um, in babies that are not yet standing. Um, so by the age that it, it would be okay to use, the baby would probably be walking around and cruising furniture anyway, and they're not going to want to be stuck in a jumper. So um, that's that's my standard I, I
0: remember being given a jumper and my <laughs> yeah. kids put their little brother in it i mean he was already cruising around furniture but they would i hung it in the doorway and one would sit on either side of the doorway and they would push him like a swing it rather than him jumping and he loved it but it wasn't used very often, but it, I just went, oh, my goodness. So, you know, and I, and I have heard that if you are going to use those, they need to have a full heel strike
1: on the floor, their full foot on the floor. not Yes, to be not onto the toes, not onto the toes. But and that's the thing. So like using it in moderation with other activities is okay, but there would be certain if, if the baby obviously had a history of hip dysplasia or oh. I wouldn't recommend it or if um, particularly even with like those newborn baby swings, which have got movement and they can be like such a relief for parents with unsettled babies to get a bit of a break and that's fine. But if, if there was an issue with head preference or head flattening, then having a baby in that um, swing, putting the pressure through the back probably wouldn't be recommended. So it is case by case as well. And what about
0: things like baby carriers? Is there something to look for when parents are using, you know, wearing their baby and a baby carrier? or wrap or whatever it is what's what's the go there
1: so they're all fantastic and um that's a fantastic option for those babies those velcro babies that don't want to be put down Um, the main thing is just hip position so you want to be able to keep the hips up, up in like a frog leg type position which is um the best position for a developing hip you just don't want a carrier that brings the um, hips together and they're kind of stuck down for long periods of time. So if the baby's hips are up, flexed up into that frog leaf, then away you go. And also um, making sure with the baby, any baby carrier or swing, um, looking at um, the head position and airway as well. So the baby's gonna to be touching you um, where you can kiss them on their head um, and making sure that their head's not flexed down Um, which can impact the airway too.
0: That's great, yeah, because when you talk about containers, people might think, oh, well, I can't carry my baby in a carrier or whatever, when it's really quite a beautiful thing to do, especially, like you say, you've got that Velcro baby. Um, I'll just pop back to the breastfeeding for a moment, and I'm flicking around a bit here. Um, Babies with ties and, you know, I'm just thinking quite often people find that osteopathy can be a big help for these babies, before and after um, revisions, if they have a revision or if they don't have a revision, it still can be really helpful for those babies. Explain how that works.
1: That's a big, big can of words. It is. (laughs) So definitely. So this is an area that I've got a lot of professional and personal experience in. So regardless of if a release was to go ahead, we'd always recommend some hands-on therapy because um, uh, I suppose I liken it to like yeah if you're preparing say for knee surgery you'd be doing prehab and then afterwards you'd be doing rehab so it's the same here we're getting the body ready getting everything nice and loose and um, working on tummy time working on tongue strength getting all those foundational skills happening and getting the baby as prepared as possible Um, and then we help them after the release as well um, with retraining, like muscle strength and um, retraining the suck and um, just supporting the family through that as well. Um, And uh, sometimes we find that just with osteo and hands-on care that that can be enough and um, a release isn't needed as well. Right, yeah, because, again, it's case by case. Isn't it? Definitely case by case. And it's just such a balance of just always a risk versus benefit situation. There might be certain things um, going on with the family that, um, you know, maybe quick attention like nipple pain and damage and um, falling weight gains and things like that. That's a different situation, but um, that, you know, generally requires more um, attention, but yeah, it's just, just so helping, support the family, just be part of the team. So we're never um, we're never doing that alone. I'd always recommend any any breastfeeding issue, any ties issue, um, always to have a lactation consultant involved as well. Um, and you know we work with health nurses and we work with the dentists and um, we'll refer back to a GP or paediatrician if we need to. Um, so yeah, we're just one part of the care team. <music>
0: Newborns need to be fed around the clock and the mama milk machine does not stop, day or night. The average baby requires at least nine hours of hands-on care a day. And that doesn't include all the extra tasks of washing, cooking and basic health care like simply having a shower that goes with a new addition to your family. As you breastfeed and care for your baby, feeding yourself is often the last thing you can manage. And this is why I... Pinkie, I'm an international board certified lactation consultant, created delicious booby foods. So far, booby brickies and booby brekkie to nourish you as you breastfeed your baby. As a nourishing snack, an analysis by Victoria University, Melbourne found that Pinky's booby foods can be a helpful nutritional complement to a healthy balanced diet. And because we know that everything mothers eat will be passed to their baby through breast milk, Booby Bickies and Booby Brekkie are made from all natural and organic ingredients with no preservatives or additives. You can download my free ebook, Making More Mummy Milk Naturally, and you'll get 15% off any purchase when you order Booby Bickies, Booby Brekkie, or any of the carefully curated breastfeeding accessories at www.boobyfoods.com.au. Use the code TITSUP at checkout to receive your 15% discount yeah that's good to know though that you know again it's supporting those parents and supporting that muscle strength and again you seem to mention tummy time a lot and I know tummy time is so (laughs) important do do you want to do you want to give another little (laughs) You know, a little bit more depth about tummy time and why it's. (laughs) I know it's the the foundation for all the other development, all of that. Definitely. Maybe
1: go in a little bit more on the tummy time. So, what I'll always recommend is that, um, so tummy time, say on on the parent's chest or on their knees, or even we'd classify some time in the carrier as tummy time. um, That's all great but we need to get the baby working at least once a day for a newborn on the um, on a firm, flat surface, so, which is the floor. Um, really working on the floor is just so much. Um, they've really got to work more against gravity. So getting that, that time in and then just slowly, um, it might even just be, you know, a minute, a couple of times a day. And then we're, so we're trying to get the like regular, short bursts of quality tummy time, and then slowly um, increase in the amount of time that they can spend in that. But definitely kind of multiple good quality sessions are better. Um, And we can recommend things like if they're having quite a lot of trouble lifting their head, um, we can put like a rolled towel or a little tummy time mat under their chest, which can help raise them up against gravity and get that extra um, extension, which is that backward movement. Uh, or we could recommend it on a fit ball as well. That can be really good to help support them over the fit, fit ball and use some movement to help strengthen. Um, and the other thing I recommend a lot of, and particularly for feeding issues is side time too. So coming back to, I suppose, drawing it in with all that information about the containers is we need babies to be able to move and be in all different positions against gravity. So time on the floor, on their backs is just as important as tummy time. Time on their side is also important too. So generally what I find is that if mums come in and they'll mention that a baby, say has what trouble particularly on one breast and not so much on the other, um, you might find that there's tightness through one side of their body, one side of their neck. And that if when they're laying on that side, they're quite uncomfortable. No. So giving side time as like a therapy at home can be really good to stretch out that tight side. So that would be good for torticollis for head shape issues as well as feeding. Uh, so basically they're just on their side with their hips, shoulder and ear in alignment and um, just having play in that position. So are they lying on the side that tends to be flat or on the other side or both? Always both because we want symmetry of movement. But um, usually we'll start with the happy side and then um, slowly work towards them tolerating that other side more. So, again, it might just be for short periods and then stepping it up. Um, Or uh, further advice that I often give as well is Rolling babies onto their tummies, so you can imagine if you were just like plonked on your tummy, it would be a little bit like unsettling. <laughs> so, like you think about it, like yeah, it's like isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Like, where are? Well, they? I suppose what if you're happening? carrying that baby along your arm and they're on the
0: tummy, that's kind of you know you're still hugging them. And they're still in a safe and place. They can feel you them, and they're warm. Yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. but down so on the <laughs>
1: Exactly, so if they're on their back and you're talking to them, having that social interaction, rolling them from there onto their tummy and they're having to right their head movement and get their arms moving, it's just not as much of a shock and um, then you're also getting that rot- rotational movement through the body too, so that is another big part of tummy time, getting that, getting them into rolling and then you can roll them back onto their back as well.
0: Wow yeah that's good so yes so it's all that natural movement that's helping with their muscles and their alignment definitely those are some really good tips yeah and good things (laughs) and good things for people to practice at home themselves like there's no money involved in putting your baby on the floor like it's just you don't need equipment you don't need anything special perhaps a rolled up towel to put under their chest but you know, think those are things that you've always got in your house anyway. And some people have got fit balls anyway. So, you know, holding the baby, you'd hold them by their hips to lie them on a fit ball. Yes. Yeah, so
1: you can stabilise them by their hips or their torso. it really just depends what um, stage they're at. As they get better, you can lower your um, your contact. So for a smaller baby, I'd, I'd hold them by their torso.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah, well, that'd be so little. You'd need to hold the whole baby. <laughs> yeah, definitely. as you gently rock them.
1: Yeah, and you do it on carpet too, so that there's more resistance, not on um, floorboards or tiles. With the
0: oh, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's all these little amazing tips. Yeah. So before we finish up, Emily, where can people go out to find more about your work and the information you share to parents, like your website, your social media? Thank what you, do you yes.
1: Hmm. So um, they can go to my website or Instagram or Facebook. So my clinic name is Align and Nurture and all the social media handles and website are Align and Nurture.
0: And we'll put those in the show notes so people can just, you know, just check on the website if you're just listening to this to get those links and flick straight through because there's lots of really good information there. And you can contact Emily if you need um A referral or, do they need to get a referral or can they just self-refer?
1: No, they can self-refer. So osteopaths are what's called a primary healthcare practitioner. So um, you can just come and see us. Um, We do have private health rebates if families have um, insurance. But, yeah, you can just come along and same for lactation, no need for a referral. Great.
0: Now, can I ask you a question? I asked all mums because we all have tits-up moments. And you've mentioned some of those literally with your own breastfeeding. But have you got a, a personal tits-up mummy moment with your kids? And it can be any age. It can be funny. It can be hard. It can be
1: embarrassing. Or not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, it's just so many. Um, oh, where would I even start? I. Yeah. Oh. I suppose just... Um, Oh, I think for us like just feeding has been like the biggest like, you know, tits-up challenge that we've had um, just with both kids and just you would think like this is what I do for my work like all day, every day and still it's just so hard. So it's, it's just kind of highlights the fact that parents are really needing that support.
0: Yeah, it's not always as easy as just whack the baby on the boob for a lot of people.
1: With Mm, some people, it will
0: will all go step by step, but for other people it won't necessarily. Yeah. And it's good to know, I think, as a professional, that you work with mothers, you specialise in infant feeding, but you still found it difficult. So I think that's really good for mums, though, because often often as new mums you think, I'm doing something wrong. And they aren't necessarily doing something wrong. It can be that connection between the baby's mouth and what they're doing, you know, as as they're feeding. It's not that the mother's doing anything wrong.
1: Yeah, that's right. And um, I don't know, I think it's, it can be really hard for mums to ask for help. Um, so, you know, there can, can just be layers of, as you say, like mum guilt or thinking that you're not doing something right um so yeah I think it's nice why should I need
0: help if I've been a capable woman up till now and that's it you know to reach out for help is I think it's a big thing as women and as mothers that you're supposed to be all-knowing and not necessarily
1: I mean mums need help like we're not supposed to do this alone like you know we need the village and Sometimes that's friends and family. Sometimes it's, um, you know, a trusted healthcare provider or, you know, people from mother's group or, yeah, but we need need that help. Yeah, and mums have had a
0: lot of um, isolation, particularly where we are here in Victoria, in Melbourne, around, you know, suburbs, if people don't know what Victoria is, we've had two years of off and on lockdowns where new mums have been very, very isolated. It's been very difficult have you been seeing more feeding issues since then or
1: yes oh, so many so um, and just um, people coming through that haven't you know haven't seen anyone and the baby is like a month or two old like in the lockdown and like they haven't been weighed or they haven't been checked and oh so much so much feeding issues coming through through those lockdowns and just not having that like initial, supporting those early days um, impacting those moms for sure yeah it's huge
0: isn't it That you know if you so if you need help the sooner the better always reach out definitely. definitely even if you think oh maybe it's not that bad after all if you don't want another day the same as the day you're having that's the time to reach
1: out Sometimes just reassurance can be priceless, like just to like know that, oh, actually I'm doing everything right and this is normal and keep going or or if you come back if you know you have any other questions or anything else pops up. But that can just knowing that can help mums feel more relaxed and be more confident in what they're doing. And often when mum's supported and her confidence is
0: up again, the stress goes and the baby seems to just a switch sometimes don't they yeah definitely yeah so what's your best tip for mums to be the mother you want to be oh
1: that's a good question uh so (laughs) I for me I feel like that's a I'm working on that daily (laughs) um I think like I think just cutting yourself some slack, like we can only do our best. And uh, I think if you're trying your best, then that automatically makes you a good mum. I think my tip that I'm always just working on is just trying to like follow the kids what they need, like follow what they're trying to communicate with me. Um, And that's just always ongoing and they're always changing. Um, But it's interesting, each child kind of needs a little bit different from you so just yeah that in trying to kind of connect with them on a daily basis I suppose and work out what's going on with them and so connection yeah, yeah. connection yeah. and and
0: and trusting that connection too because as a mother you know your child better
1: than anybody else yeah definitely like um it's even my my little toddler at the moment like she's kind of like clinging on my leg everywhere I go and I'm like, oh, what could that be? And, you know, just kind of trying to work out what it is that's going on for her at that moment in time that she's needing that little bit extra. Um, Yeah. It's just always changing. And it it saves
0: frustration too. When you say, when you go to the, well, what's happening here, what's happening for my child, my child is having a bit of a difficulty rather than my child is being a problem. My child might be having a little bit of a problem, nothing big necessarily, but, when that behaviour changes to trust that connection and trust that your child has a need.
1: Yes, yeah, and trying to be open to that communication and work out, yeah, how to how you can help them.
0: Thanks, Emily. That's, that's a really great tip. So thank you for sharing today. And if anyone wants to contact Emily, just have a check in the show notes and you can find out more information and find her website. And what all your tips today are so practical and they're going to help so many mums. Thank you. Tips up, ladies. Pull up your big girl pants. We can do this. We are mothers. In the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land, water and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs and to Elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website and check out the show notes, www.pinkymccade.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star
1: reviews will help other mums to find the support and information too.